Well, hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to The Girl. The Beard. And The Graham. So how's it going today, honey? It's good. Good day. Good week. Happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween. It is officially spooky day. Yep. And sadly, it's going to be over. Just a few hours. Yeah. Spooky day is not long enough. We need more spooky days. I mean, every day is spooky day if you want it to be. <laughs> this is also true. I know you're going to tell me to eat the turkey, but, you know, it's time for me to start watching The Grinch. Because I have to watch it at least eight times before Christmas. Nope. Eat the turkey first. We'll watch yeah. it every day from Christmas till thing or from Thanksgiving to Christmas if you want, but... Eat the turkey first. Ooh, I have that on recording now. What? You said we can watch it every day. Oh, God. <laughs> so if halfway through December, everyone, I suddenly have a like just mental breakdown, you'll know why. It's because I'll only be speaking in G- you know, Jim Carrey Grinch references. It's the best. It is, but it's... It's joyful and triumphant. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway... So, today, still being spooky season, we wanted to do something that is extra spooky. So, what do you have for us? Okay, so I have a short little episode here about the um, Villisca axe murders. I may be putting putting a little bit too much. You put the emphasis in the wrong syllable. um, (laughs) Got the emphasis on the wrong syllable. It happens. (laughs) Well, um,. How do you say it again? Because you know my message. I, I call it Velisca. Velisca. Yeah. That okay. sounds right to me. I, I'm not from the Midwest. I don't say ope or, you know, put ranch on everything, but that you sounds right. You do put ranch on everything. And I do say ope, but I'm not from the Midwest. How does that even work? I don't it's know. Because we're white. That could be it. <laughs> Just the, the Midwesterner in me comes out, even though there is none. <laughs> it's like, oh, let me scooch right by you there. <laughs> Slicker than shit. <laughs> Up there in Manitowoc. <laughs> oh, I need a part three of that. And if you know, you know. Yeah. A part three of? Making of a murderer. Oh, yeah. That 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 needs to be a thing. You didn't even know what you said there. No, I was just making fun of Manitowoc. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, this is the um, Velisca. Axe murders. They occurred uh, between the evening of June 9th, 1912, and the early morning of June 10th, 1912, in the town of Villisca, Iowa. Which I'm assuming is like corn territory. Yes, it's not. Um, it's on the western, southwestern side of Iowa. I don't know what else is around there, but yeah. It's not very far from Des Moines, which is where my my family's from. Gotcha. Um, so it's not very far, you know, from like the border of um I think it's Kansas. Is Iowa. it Kansas? Maybe. I don't know. Not Kansas. Missouri. Missouri. <laughs> I was like, Kansas. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> yeah, Missouri. You're missing a state there. All right, six members of the Moore family, that was the family that lived in the house, um, and they had two house guests there that night as well um, that were two little girls that were actually friends of one of their daughters. Okay. They were found bludgeoned to death in the residence. All eight victims had head wounds from an axe, and despite two trials and uh, for this case, 
it still remained unsolved and um this is the 109th year since these um murders occurred so the the killer was never found killer was never found several suspects like i said they had two trials for two of the suspects nothing stuck nothing stuck you see and i've said this before and i'll say it again apparently crime back in the day unless you were still there when the cops got there you'd get off scot-free yeah i feel like that was a thing back then so obviously mm-hmm. there's more to this story than just eight people got murdered by an axe murderer so what makes this our spooky season story there are a lot of paranormal things that go on with the house right now it's still standing okay you can um airbnb it oh no and it's also a, uh, a museum so you can airbnb a murder museum Mm-hmm. so if anybody out there is looking for a spooky evening mm-hmm. airbnb the murder museum in uh what what, what what's the name of the town Villisca, Villisca, uh-huh. iowa Villisca, iowa the old uh more family axe murder home yes. airbnb that 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 sounds like it'd be a good night um i will um make sure to put this on our instagram gotcha and that way y'all can see some pictures of it because the house is really cool and then we'll get more into the paranormal thing as we go on i wanted to keep the episode a little short just kind of give an overview because there's really not like a whole whole lot about it there's more about the possible suspects gotcha um but i just kind of want to give an overview at it and if you do want more of a deep dive check out morbid's podcast on it because they just did two episode series about this family and the murders as well cool cool okay so uh the moore family consisted of parents josiah and sarah there's those wonderful old-timey names we love it was the early 1900s that was a thing um they had their four children are you ready for this oh no the oldest herman (laughs) okay he was 11 at the time of the murder mary catherine she was 10 arthur was seven and paul was five they can they were considered an affluent family for the area that they lived in um they were well known and very liked in their community on uh, june 9th mary catherine had invited ina may and lena stillinger they were two sisters um and they were her best friends and she had invited them to come spend the night at her house Um, bad timing but okay um that night they attended a uh went to their local church that they were a part of and they were having a children's program going on some kind of play and whatnot right um oh and this was at the local presbyterian church just for reference i guess just for reference (laughs) (laughs) um it's noted that the program ended around 9 30 and the family and the two girls that were staying with them that night returned to the house by 10 p.m okay at 7 a.m. the next morning on June 10th, Mary Peckham, the Moore's neighbor, came uh, or became concerned after she noticed the family had not come out of their home that morning. Uh, typically, she would see the mom, um, Sarah, and Josiah, the husband, and their children out doing their chores with their animals, you know, opening right. their house for the day, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, Peckham had went over and knocked on the door, and when nobody answered, um, she tried to open the door and discovered that it was locked. Peckham let the Moore's chickens out because they were just going crazy inside the coop As they since do. they hadn't been let out for the morning. Um, and then she decided to call Ross Moore, which was Josiah's brother. Um, Josiah and Ross owned a local hardware store in town. 
Okay. And so she called the hardware store and was like, I need Ross immediately. Uh, when Ross arrived, he began to knock on the door uh, very persistently. He was walking all around the house trying to get in, see if there was any kind of windows unlatched or anything. Um, and he became concerned when the family did not answer as well. Uh, Ross then found the house key and opened the door. He told Mary that she needed to stay on the porch. Okay. He wasn't sure what he was going to be walking into. Right. He opened the first bedroom door and found Ina and Lena. So those were the two little girls' um, sisters that had stayed over. Right. Um, he found their bodies on the bed um, and yelled to Mary, call Henry Horton. He was the one and only uh, police officer for the town. One and only. One and only. Wow. Always on call. Um, when the police, uh, or when Henry, <laughs> uh, searched the home, which it, it does sound like he ended up calling, um, some local sheriffs from, gotcha. you know, other from the county and well. whatnot. Yeah. yeah. Um, they ended up finding all eight persons in the home. Um, they were all dead, all seemed to have been murdered by an ax weapon. And they actually found the ax inside the home covered in blood, um, in one of the other guest rooms. Okay. Okay. The doctors determined that the murders occurred between midnight and 5 a.m. It's a pretty big window. It is a big window. Also in their search of the home, they found two cigarettes in the attic, leading police to believe that the murders, or murder, had hid in the attic and waited for the family to come home and go to sleep. So, the thought process, the prevailing thought at this point is that somebody snuck into their attic with an axe. Smoked for a while, waited for them to come home and go to bed, and then snuck out and murdered the family. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think we've all seen that Criminal Minds episode before. Probably. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the father, Josiah, um, whenever they, um, when the doctors were reviewing his body, they had found that Josiah had more blows than any other victim, um, leading the police to believe that he was probably killed first. Gotcha. Um, they wanted to take out the male of the, the house. The biggest threat first. Yes. Um, his face had been cut so badly that his eyes were missing out of the socket and on the floor of the bedroom. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a lot of overkill. They also believe that Lena, which was one of the house guests, um, she likely woke up and tried to fight back. She had defensive wounds on her arms and hands, and she was the only one that was out of her bed. She was the only body that was found not in her bed. Gotcha. <clears throat> um, all the victims had 20 to 30 blows. So when I read that, I assumed the 20 was more like everybody else and the 30 plus was Josiah. Gotcha. Um, they all had bed sheets over their heads. If they were in their bed, it looked like they were sleeping and somebody had either pulled the sheets over their head and then used the axe. Gotcha. Okay. Um, the ceilings also had gouge marks from the upswings of the axe in all the rooms. That's really strange. But also, you gotta think, houses didn't have high ceilings. Well, but yeah, but even then, I mean, it, it seems, I mean, I guess I could see how that could happen, but it seems very odd that you're going to be, I mean, you can't be doing that quietly. That, that That's a lot of noise beating off of the ceiling of the house with the axe and all this kind of stuff. That that seems like it would make enough noise to wake anybody up before you got to them. Yeah. So, but I, I could be wrong. I don't know. Unless maybe some, they took out 
you know, check out the parents first. And maybe some of the other children did hear, but they chose to stay in their bed and just. I mean, maybe. Yeah. We did their fate, unfortunately. So, like I said, many possible suspects emerged, including a reverend, actually. All right. Um, and then, like I said, there were two trials. Um, one with the reverend ended with a hung jury. And another ended up with an with an acquittal. Um, and so that has left the case unsolved for 109 years. And the original investigation lasted for 10 years until they finally moved it to a cold case. Gotcha. One suspect that I found really interesting um, when I was reading was Paul Mueller. In 2017, Bill James and his daughter Rachel wrote a book called The Man from the Train. And it discusses um, these murders as part of a much larger series of murders that uh, occurred all along railroad, like homes that lived near and around railroad tracks um, okay. all around this time from the early 1900s and on. So like a like a traveling hobo kind of situation. <laughs> right. Um, so they believe that all these murders were actually done by a single serial killer. Um, the theory is that the man selected families who lived near railroad tracks and would um, ambush them at night while they were asleep. So he would watch them for a few days, kind of learn their routine a little bit, or find out if there was things going on. So, like, you know, if he'd heard around town, hey, there's going to be a children's program and everybody's going everybody's gonna to be at the church tonight. Right. So he would sneak into their homes. Um, and it always seemed in the murders, there were always, um, the weapons always seemed to be axe or other sharp objects, and they would always be weapons from the home. So there was no need for him to travel with them. Right. So that's why it makes sense that they found the axe at the home when he got done using it. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So pretty interesting. But so with the paranormal of the home, um, it's still standing in Iowa. You can pay, um, it's averages between four and five hundred dollars a night. I mean, that's up there, but for a real life haunted house, that's yeah, that's a pretty good deal if you live. Um, they only allow you to stay one night at a time, just because most people don't even make it past midnight. Really? Mm-hmm. Like, pretty much after midnight happens, that's what everybody reports all of the weird stuff happening, and they get the hell out of there. So. Has there ever been anybody that stays the whole night? Do we know? Um, there was um a guy that stayed in 2020, um, in September of 2020. He made it to 6 a.m. <laughs> well, <laughs> like pretty man. much as soon as the sun broke, <laughs> he got out of there. He was out. Yeah, yeah. So, um, like I said, many people don't make it the whole night because right after midnight, they begin to hear children's voices and screams. Um, there's even been noted of falling lamps, moving objects, and even objects flying across the room where um, Sarah and Josiah slept. Really? Mm -hmm. In 2014, a paranormal investigator stabbed himself after spending the night there. And um, their website, it's like a husband and wife that own this home. Actually, the husband passed away the last couple of years. Right. They bought it in like the early 90s. Redid it, made it the museum. Paranormal people came and were like, you should really let people stay here. So that's how they got into that business. Right, right. Kind of starting that stuff. And um, the lady has since updated her website so that you can go on and check out the museum and make your reservations. And it states, 
skeptics will leave believers. That's kind of like their little mantra. Well, well, I don't know. We'll have to see about that. Yeah. Um, so like I said, one man uh, stayed in September of 2020. And um, he said that every time he would begin falling asleep, um, the voices of children um, would come out. And he said they would start out low and as if he like if he didn't open his eyes if he kept his eyes closed they would just get louder and louder and he um said that it reminded him of harry potter movies with the um oh what am i trying to think of like the snake you know when he hears the voices the parcel tongue yes really that's what he described it as that's a little creepy. <laughs> I'm like, that's real creepy. Um, while others that stay, they tend to bring gifts for the ghost children. Um, and it has been reported that they will leave the toys as like an offering as in the home. And if they do end up being able to make it through the night and like they wake up and things like that, the toys will be gone and there's no other explanation for them. And sometimes they find them like out in the yard. That's a little creepy. Yeah. Now, so I want to bring up an idea here mm-hmm. because you hear about this, uh, the haunted bridge that like the school bus full of children got hit or fell off of or whatever, mm-hmm. or like the haunted train tracks where like a school bus full of kids got hit where it, I know it's always a school bus full <laughs> of kids, <laughs> but well, no, the, the idea behind it is that if you park on the bridge or on those train tracks that like kids will push like little ghost yeah. children will push your car off. To, to make sure you don't get hurt so i'm wondering if the the th- theory here behind it is as you're trying to sleep the kids keep trying to wake you up so that the bad man doesn't get you yeah yeah you know but the thing is is that the bad man lived and left but the kids don't know that which makes it even super creepier because now it's like you've got these ghost children that don't don't want anybody to sleep there when the danger's long gone yeah no absolutely not creepy um yeah so are you brave enough to stay the night because i am not i'm not really i will visit it during the day i'll read books about it i'll look at all creepy stuff but i ain't staying there sun goes down i'm leaving (laughs) i mean here's the thing is i i'd want to stay there just to see it but at the same point i think i would want to go with the mindset of okay before it even gets close to the sun going down i want to set up some cameras and some audio equipment and i want to look to see if like the family that redid this home like if they put like hidden speakers in somewhere if they're like playing audio and stuff (laughs) like i know it's probably not likely because if it was it'd be figured out by now but yeah just just curious that's true because at this point you know Obviously, if they can make four to five hundred dollars a night at this place and it's haunted, like I guarantee it stays pretty well booked, mm-hmm. especially around this time of year. I'm pretty sure that it's in their best interest to make sure it seems very haunted. Yeah, <laughs> that's part of their business model at that point. Yeah. And it did state that um, over the years, as people have owned it up into these current owners that bought it in the 90s, everybody's kept the house the same. Like they've. There's even some of the original families like furniture and children's toys and stuff that are still in the home as well. Well, that's a little creepy. <laughs> like, well, of course, it's going to be haunted if you keep all the dead people's things in there. That's how that works. Mm-hmm. 
you know. I don't want no creepy little kids' toys from the early 1900s <laughs> in there while I'm sleeping. But, yeah, I mean, that's the story. So, most of it involves trial things and whatnot. So, if you want to deep dive in that, seriously, check out Morbid's podcast. Um, Ashley and Alana, I love them. Yeah, they they do good stuff. Um, But, yeah, so that's that's that. I'll post some pictures. It is a cute little farmhouse. So. You know, haunted as shit. Well, you know, that's kind of how old farmhouses work. But what do y'all think? You know, reach out on Instagram or wherever else, you know, look this place up. If you, you Yeah, like, would y'all stay there? Would you stay there? Do you think it's really haunted? You know, are these kids trying to prevent you from getting axe murdered? I would be so pissed if somebody invited me to a party, like a Halloween party, and you show up and it's there and be like, there's not enough alcohol. (laughs) There's not enough booze (laughs) in the world. For me to stay in this place tonight. No, thank you. <laughs> More importantly, I think personally, I would be very upset and I would definitely haunt somebody's ass if they invited me over for a sleepover and I got killed. Oh, I'd be I'd be haunting. Yeah. Left and right. Like, I'm just doing a thing. I'm going to my friend's house for a sleepover. I go to their house and then I get axed in the face. Yeah. No, um, I'm going to haunt your ass. Yeah. That's how that's working. 100%. You know, I just wanted like sleep over and a breakfast in the morning and now i'm dead so uh yeah i'm never leaving until i get my free breakfast be like <laughs> i don't know what happened jesus i was just at a sleepover and then all of a sudden i'm here i'm talking to you <laughs> i don't know you tell be me like, what happened <laughs> be like so you stay here and do your heaven thing i'm gonna go back and i'm gonna try to give me that free breakfast <laughs> <laughs> i mean come on it was early 1900s free breakfast was a big thing mm-hmm. <clears throat> so but yeah um, hit us up on the Instagrams. Let us know what you think. And, oh, an uh, update on part two of the Candybean story. We have it recorded. Just FYI, it's a rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. But also, we part one should have been longer. We have been experiencing power outages and internet outages here recently, so it's been a little bit difficult for us to do some of the editing things that we need to do and it's going to take us a little bit of time but i promise we'll get it up right now my goal is to have it up for next saturday with the first saturday in november um i'd like to have it up before then but you know we'll see how this internet and power thing pans out yes we'll see if i get another notification that says your internet is out again i'm suing (laughs) i don't think that's how that works i'm suing for 2020 and 2021. <laughs> <laughs> just just because those years happened, you're going to sum over it? Yes. Okay, that's Who do fair. I send that to? Um, Jesus. I don't want to put that on Jesus. <laughs> He's the man that was in charge of the years, I'm pretty sure. It's mm. kind of a thing. Mm. Anyways, guys, we really hope that you have a great, safe, and spooky Halloween. And um, looking forward to finishing out November or December. Let us know if you have anything fall related um, or other cases that you want us to look into. And I know there are some uh, Christmas ones as well. Um, Those are going to be good. Christmas murder. Christmas murder. But yes, guys. So thanks for tuning in. We love y'all so much. Thanks for listening to the girl. The beard. And the gram. Y'all have a good night. <laughs>